This Sunday has been referred to in many different ways throughout the history of the church. It originally was called Dominica in Albis in, in Latin, which means White Sunday, because the newly baptized would wear their baptismal garment the entire octave of Easter, all white, and then they would show up for Mass on this Sunday all in white, and so you'd have a church full of all these white uh, garments. <clears throat> then it was changed to Quasimodo Sunday, bet you didn't know that. And for the record, it's the uh, Victor Hugo's character takes the name from the church's feast day, not the other way around. It's actually the first word in the antiphon, the opening antiphon of Mass for today in Latin. But most recently, it's been referred to as Divine Mercy Sunday. The image of our Lord revealed to St. Faustina in Poland. And I think John Paul II instituted this feast of Divine Mercy Because he wanted us to realize more than anything else is that Jesus wants our hearts and that no matter what we do, no matter how terrible we are, his mercy is always available. Always available. He is trying to shower on the world his mercy, his love. But there is one thing that can block this. And the one thing is a lack of faith. A lack of faith. I want to begin by focusing on a philosophy that is given to us in our gospel, and it's pretty prevalent in our society right now. And the idea is this, the philosophy is this. Seeing is believing. Seeing is believing. In other words, prove it to me. It's an attitude that I won't trust, I won't believe something unless you give me proof of it. Science. Show me physical proof that God exists. I can't do that. Then God doesn't exist. It's a very dangerous philosophy, but on top of that, it's a very silly philosophy as well. Why is it silly? Because when you see something, you don't need to believe it anymore. So when I see a giraffe, for the first time, I no longer have to believe in this mythical being that has a super long neck, right, and spots all over it, because I've seen it. So once you see it, you don't need to believe anymore. As a side note, if you want to see an incredible video, look up giraffes fighting. It's bizarre. It has nothing to do with the homily, but just a side note. <clears throat> but the point is we only believe in what we cannot see. It's a... This is the other thing. It's a dangerous idea if we abide by the saying, seeing is believing, because then we become like Thomas. And there's no place, there's no place for faith in our hearts. Seeing is believing for Thomas. I will not believe unless I see him, unless I put my finger into the nail marks and my hand into his side. I want empirical evidence that he's alive. Until I have that, I will not believe. And this all forces us to ask the question then, what faith really is and what it accomplishes for us. To believe something means to accept that it's true based on the testimony of someone else. There is first of all a natural or a very human kind of faith. And here's the thing you guys, we practice it all the time. And seeing and believing doesn't come into a factor at all. And I'll give you a few examples. 
We trust doctors all the time. When I go into the doctor and I'm like, I have a sore throat or my stomach hurts. And he says, oh, you have strep throat or, oh, you have an ulcer. I don't turn to him and say, prove it. I don't trust you. I want empirical evidence that I'm a mess. We don't say that. We just say, okay. And then he says, here, take these. We don't know what's in that. But all of us just go home and start popping pills. Why? Because when we see a doctor, we're like, he's credible. He studied it. He knows what he's talking about, so I believe him. I have faith in the doctor. How about, uh, have you ever been to Tokyo? No. Does Tokyo exist? How do you know that? You've never been there. You may have seen pictures of it, but that could have been New York. What if, what if Tokyo's not real? You see how ridiculous this is when you follow this philosophy, when you carry it out. Or how about people? When I come up, I'm like, hey, I'm Father Waltz. Nobody's like, prove it. I want your ID. No, they just accept it as true or, or your GPS. Turn left. No. Sometimes I actually do say that. I hate that voice. <clears throat> but these are all acts of natural faith. We do it all the time. All the time. But then there's another kind of faith, divine faith. When we accept the testimony of someone who is divine and is capable of speaking about divine things. But we only believe, we should only believe those who are trustworthy. Those that have given us some evidence that they are trustworthy, that they are capable about speaking about divine things. Just as a doctor gives us evidence by his credentials. Oh, I can trust him. It would be foolish to trust someone who said they were God, but never proved it. <clears throat> if I got up here and said I was God, nobody would follow me. You'd think I'm crazy. Here's the thing. Jesus did claim to be God. He said I'm God. He also said a lot of other crazy things like, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you don't have any life within you. He said things like, your sins are forgiven. He basically took the Jewish scriptures and rewrote them. As only God could do. There are hundreds of examples. He drove the Jewish nation crazy with the way he spoke and the way he acted. These claims were outrageous. They were even, I would go on to say, dangerous if he's not who he said he was. But the main reason Jesus of Nazareth would be considered dangerous was because he said, I am God. And we make the same claim. We say Jesus is God. Now, why am I bringing all this up? Because I think it is so important because the first Christians were Jews. The Jews hated him. Why did the first Christians, be, why were they Jewish people? What on earth got a crowd that was shouting, crucify him, crucify him, to all of a sudden say, huh, I guess he really was God. My friends, the resurrection is not some type of hallucination. It's not some kind of 
mythical literary way of speaking or a symbol. It's real. It's real. And if he really rose from the dead, then he is the credible person to speak on divine things. And as far as I can see, what he wants us to know more than anything is that we're loved. And he wants us. You guys, he doesn't want your Sunday Mass attendance. He doesn't want your financial contributions to the church. He doesn't want your volunteering for parish functions. For the record, these are all good and you should do them. (laughs) But what he wants is your heart. He wants you to surrender, to quit trying to provide for yourself, to quit trying to make it happen. And when you get in this stance of surrender, you begin to receive And all you receive is love. I am convinced beyond a shadow of a doubt that I am loved. Why? I don't know. Why? I don't know. I think I told you before, but one of my spiritual directors uh, when I was in seminary, he was just this genius. I mean, he was super holy. He was kind of like the Yoda of the spiritual life. And I remember we'd see him in the morning. We're like, Father Murray, how you doing? He's like, I'm wicked, but loved. And how true that is. How true that is. My friends, I put these <clears throat> little pamphlets in your pews. They're at the back of the church, at the doors. This is called the Surrender Novena. This prayer has changed my life. I invite you to take one, take ten, take fifty. I don't care how many you take. Give them to your family. Pray them. Pray it. It's, it's an amazing prayer. And when you pray it, you're just going to be like, this can't work. This, but it does. It is one of the most powerful prayers because it is a prayer of absolute surrender. And the more you pray this, the more you will move from Thomas, who says, prove it to me, to Mary at the Annunciation, be it done unto me, according to your will, O Lord. My friends... Let us beg Jesus to give up our lives, to quit trying to make it happen, to quit trying to provide, and let him love us. Let the rays of red and white blood, the Eucharist, white baptism, let those rays penetrate your heart. O Jesus, love incarnate, divine mercy itself, teach us to let go of everything that burdens us in this life. And let you lead. But most of all, teach us total surrender to your Father. Jesus, I trust in you. Jesus, I trust in you. Jesus, I trust in you.